You're listening to Politics Weekly. To uh, be big underdogs uh, in the race uh, for the uh, the presidency. One of them is uh, joining me today. We can survive all those systems. What's going to happen if you legalize it completely? Politics Weekly is a podcast on politics, news, and principles. A lot of this, whether it's burning your bus and intention to help defeat 
Biden or, or the enthusiasm of Trump supporter will have no input on what happens. What's, what's going to determine this is what happens with this pandemic. It, it's possible that, uh, you know, this is a SARS type uh, of virus, then it may do the same thing that the SARS virus did, which is, you know, peak and then drop down and disappear over the summer. That was it. It was over. It's, so if something like that happens, and then and then we could come out and go back to work, and, and, and this economy starts roaring back, then we're in a situation where uh, Biden's going to get creamed, and, and if it's close enough by November, we're, we're right back to where we started from, which is uh, only Bernie can defeat Trump. Only Bernie's on the ballot now, so he's the one remaining candidate who can actually defeat Trump if, if the economy were to bounce back significantly. I don't know if it will. I'm not a virus expert. And, and you know, a lot of these people who are uh, experts in, in pandemic, uh, um, pandemics, viral pandemics, they don't know. They're, they're, some people think it might be two years. Some people think it might be a, a SARS type of virus and, and disappear over the summer. So, you know, we can't predict. Unlike my last conversation with you, when we were very confident predicting that uh, only Bernie beats bus, so only Bernie beats Trump. Now, because of because we're in uncharted waters, it's, it's just impossible to make any kind of confident prediction about the election. Um, let me ask you this: um, in many many elections, uh, candidate president incumbent presidents that are in a time of crisis uh, tend to stay in office. Um, if you go back to World War II, FDR was reelected. If you go back to 2004, during the beginning of the Iraq War, George W. Bush was reelected. Um, do you think that there's a, a possibility that uh, people could look at the COVID-19 as a crisis time or a wartime situation and reelect Trump? You know, that's, that's the weird thing about being in, a, in this kind of situation. We don't know. You know. We've never been here before. We've never had an election during this kind of thing before, at least not in our lifetimes. So anything's possible. Sure. Um, and then another question I had before we move on to the next news topic. I know Joe Biden right now is kind of running on this message of return to normality, um, you know, re- return to the status quo, return to the Obama years. At a time when uh, COVID-19 is going on, do you think that message could be effective? Well, according to recent polls, the answer is yes. Uh, it shows Biden as much as 10 points up on Trump. And, and Trump's... Uh, and, and, and this is more than it has been since the... Um, misguided impeachment effort. That impeachment effort actually improved Trump's uh, ratings, his approval ratings, and so forth. So, yeah, I mean, anything. It, it could. All right. Well, let's move on to the next topic. Uh, so right now, um, uh, the race is on in terms of third-party candidates. Um one major third party candidate announced his candidacy this week for the presidency. Uh, Republican turned independent Congressman Justin Amash announced 
that he will be seeking the libertarian nomination uh, for the presidency. He's, of course, a congressman from Michigan. Um, he changed his, re- his party registration from independent to libertarian, making him the first registered libertarian member of Congress in history. Um, he has said that uh, he is seeking uh, the libertarian nomination. Um, this makes him the most high profile of all the libertarian candidates running for president. The only other one uh, that uh, was cons- that had previous political experience uh, was uh, former uh, former uh, Rhode Island Governor Lincoln Chafee, but he has dropped out of the race since then. Um, also, on the Green Party side, it looks like some. Uh, it, uh, it looks like they could have a major candidate potentially as well. Former Minnesota Governor Jesse Ventura is uh, uh, saying that he is testing the waters about potentially running for, uh, for president on a third party line. Ventura has said that he plans to endorse the Green Party for president, the Green Party candidate for president, sorry, uh, no matter what. Uh, and that if he were to run for president, it would be on the Green Party line. Uh, Victor, what are your thoughts on Justin Amash announcing his candidacy for the presidency? And what are your thoughts on uh, the potential that uh, that um, uh, Jesse Ventura could get in? I don't think uh, the Libertarian Party is going to do any better uh, this year than they did four years ago. No matter who's on there, only because there is a lot of support in the Republican base for Donald Trump. I just don't think a libertarian is going to pull much support from the right, although it would be great if he did, obviously. And then, as far as Ventura, I don't see him getting the Green Party nod. He has a libertarian streak of the... Some of his rhetoric is, is very uh, progressive-sounding recently, but I, I, I just don't see green members of the Green Party. I mean, it's their, their nomination. They, they will choose, just like the Democrats choose their nominee, the Greens going to choose their nominee, and I don't see Greens uh, showing their support behind Jesse Ventura, but I, I could be wrong. They may have other calculations in mind, like, you know, he's got, he has a higher profile, he's held elective office, and so forth, and maybe they, they will throw their hat behind him. Uh, so, and, and I think if he, they did, I think if he were the nominee, I think he'd get more support than Jill Stein did four years ago. And as, as far, just to sort of wound out the answer to the question, as far as uh, who Bernie or Buss uh, will be getting behind and supporting, that's a vote we have to... Uh, hold among all the people who are still subscribed to our newsletter um, what third party candidate we're going to support will it be justice party candidate will it be the green party candidate will it be a socialist party candidate so these, these are things that need to be uh, this is something that needs to be worked out but it will be unless you know I mean it, it, it's possible that, that the democratic primaries, the Democratic primaries aren't over. It's possible the presumptive nominee has a collapse. Uh, you know, Biden's had two aneurysms in his life and, you know, he's overdue for another one. And, and it could be disabling, probably would be disabling, or a stroke, or a heart attack, or, or you know, somehow he 
somehow gets this COVID and it takes them out. Anything's possible, yeah, and it's not extremely far-fetched to, to think under those conditions that Bernie might still end up getting the nomination. Although I think it's pretty clear that the Democrat would rather have Donald Trump reelected than Bernie Sanders get the nomination, because if he does get the nomination, there's actually a very good chance he would win, and that's the last thing that the Democrats want. They get to keep their power and their influence and their donors to stay in, you know, in place if Trump is the president and gets reelected. But if Bernie uh, would actually somehow come out, come out of this, as far-fetched as that is at this point, if he were to actually come out of this as the nominee uh, because something happens to Biden and then wins the election, well... You know, these, all this money coming from Wall Street to the Democratic Party would come to a screechy halt. The Democratic Party would become a labor party. And they, they just don't want that. They, the establishment wants to maintain a neoliberal Democratic Party, and I think that party is worth destroying, even if that means Donald Trump gets reelected. It'd be great to think, you know, enough Americans have uh, walked out of the mental two-party mental prison that they're in, you know, the doors aren't locked. All they have to do is walk out and vote Libertarian, walk out and vote um, Green Party or Socialist Party, but everyone lives in fear of, of, of the other guy. And the reason this this particular election might open that opportunity up for people is because uh, you can make the case, because Biden's suffering from cognitive, you know, progressive cognitive decline, you can make the case that he's actually more dangerous and Donald Trump, and Trump, we think, is probably a narcissist. That's, that needs to be diagnosed by somebody, a doctor, or a qualified physician, interviewing him directly. So it's only speculation that uh, Trump is a narcissist, but it's clear Biden does something wrong. Sometimes he slurs his words. Often he stops mid-sentence and, and goes on to another thought. Uh, sometimes he doesn't complete his thoughts. Sometimes he just says things that are completely flat out wrong. He remembers history wrong. He remembers names wrong. He remembers states wrong. He, he's just not the same man he was four years ago. So it, it, if there's ever an open an opening for a third party candidate, a, a Biden Trump uh, election would certainly be it. But I'm not hopeful that uh, enough people will walk out of this two-party mental prison and vote green, even if it's someone like uh, Governor Ventura. It'd be nice, but I'm not particularly hopeful in that regard. Mm. Um, now, um, certainly what you're saying about Justin Amash uh, not gaining uh, a large percentage of the vote, according to uh, recent polls, um, uh that would seem to back up what you're saying. Uh, Morning Consultant uh, did a poll without Justin Amash uh, recently that uh, that showed without Justin Amash, Joe Biden leads Donald Trump by four points. Uh, they did another poll with Justin Amash, uh, which showed that Justin Amash only got a percentage of the vote and uh, Joe Biden still led Donald Trump by four points. So that would seem to back up your claim that um, that Joe Biden or that Justin Amash would not have an impact. Is there anything you think Justin Amash could do to change that and potentially become a major player who could take away from Trump or Biden? Well, I think that 
kinds of tough questions media handles the elections. The Amash might have some great ideas that make them worthy of, of support by uh, by uh, Trump supporters, but you know, I don't know how Amash is going to campaign in terms of of uh, his handling his, his attitudes and handling of say race uh, race relations in this country. So, you know, he he could probably come out in support of a good deal of Trump's agenda. You know, if he comes out in favor of a wall on the southern border, that might be enough to pull some of Trump's supporters over to him. If he, um, if, if he's, um, he, he has, I would think he would have to be gentle in his criticism of Trump if he's going to win Trump's supporters over. Um, but, you know, it, his difficulty is the same difficulty as it is with any third-party candidate, which is getting heard. If, if he had, you know, enough people, maybe the Koch brothers, to throw in a huge amount of money into his campaign so that he can get the message out. Whatever sort of appealing message that might pull some Trump supporters over to Amash, uh, that's one thing. But I, I have a suspicion that the Koch brothers would rather not take a chance dividing the right that way and, and cause Trump to lose to a Democrat, whether it's Biden or or anyone else that the Democrats would be smart to replace Biden with. Um, all right, then. So let's move on to the next news story. Uh, so um, a new uh, a, a new poll from Gallup shows that Donald Trump's approval rating has risen to 49%. That is up in the last three weeks. Previously, we had reported that his approval rating had dropped to just 43%. It has now jumped back to 49%. This was the approval rating he had at the end of the impeachment uh, trial. This was also the the approval rating he had at the beginning uh, of the COVID-19 uh, shutdown. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, Donald Trump's approval rating rising according to Gallup? Do you think it means anything and why do you think it's happening? I have no idea why it's happening. I really don't. It's not, you know, especially after last week when he asked those uh, stupid questions about getting ultraviolet light underneath the skin and maybe uh, somehow ingesting or injecting uh, disinfectant as a treatment of the virus. I mean, those questions of, of, of the specialists and doctors in the room, in the briefing room at the time, were just so profoundly stupid. It's hard to imagine that those approval ratings would remain that high. And he just had one of the worst weeks of, of, of the pandemic. And it's, that, so I, just, I doubt those approval ratings are actually still that high. And so the answer is no, I don't think they matter. But. Um, all right. Uh, well, let's move on then to the next story. Uh, so a new approval rating or a new uh, poll from uh, uh, new polls, according to Morning Consultant and iPods, uh, show that uh, Joe Biden leads Donald Trump by six points. However, the majority of Americans still believe that Donald Trump will win the presidency. According to, uh, to Morning Consultant, 
57% of Americans believe that Donald Trump will be reelected. And according to IPOS, 55% of Americans believe that Donald Trump will be a two-term president. Uh, Victor, uh, why do you think, even though... Um, uh, even though Donald Trump's uh, is down uh, to Biden, why do you think the majority of people, in spite of that, believe Trump is going to win? Um, and uh, number two, um, since nineteen from nineteen eighty eight to two thousand and twelve, the person who was leading in terms of who people thought would win typically won the presidency. Obviously, that changed with Hillary Clinton. Do you think that that could change with Donald Trump and he could lose, or do you think that? It, that it could hold and he could win. What are your thoughts? Well, I don't know what the people are thinking as far as, uh, you know, they're telling pollsters that they support Biden over Trump, but they think Trump's going to win. Um, I guess that it might be the, the power of the incumbency. It might be the, the, the thinking that, that this, this uh, pandemic is going to subside and the economy will come bouncing back who knows? I, I, I can't begin to guess what what they're thinking as far as as far as that goes. But I do think that um, whatever have you repeat the second half of the question because I dropped it. So so the the second question is um, from 1988 to 2012. Historically, um, people who uh, the candidate who led in terms in polls that sh- uh, in terms of polls that said who do you think is going to win? Typically, that person went on to win the presidency. Typically, from that time, people tended to vote for who they thought was going to win. Obviously, that changed in 2016 because the majority of people in polls said they thought Hillary Clinton was going to win the presidency, and that didn't happen. Do you believe in 2020 this could help Trump, or do you think it could be like in 2016 where it makes no difference? I don't know. I mean, that's, again, we're in uncharted waters here, and and I don't have a crystal ball. So it could go either way. Uh, It's just, it's impossible to tell based on where we are now, given the... um, um, given the uh, uncertainty of, of what's going to happen with COVID-19, is it going to fade away? Is it going to come bouncing back in the fall? I mean, I would say the answer depends on those two fundamental possibilities, that it, it's like the SARS and the summer will be gone and we'll never hear about it again, or it's not like the SARS and it's more like the Spanish flu. 
that the economy roars back uh, and he sees a, a, a V-shaped economy, if you will. Uh, do you think a V-shaped economy or an economy roaring back immediately after the virus goes away, if it does go away in the summer and never comes back, do you think that that's possible? story. So Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi are both declining a, an offer from President Trump uh, to offer Congress uh, rapid testing result machines. Uh, uh, McConnell said in a statement, quote, Congress is grateful for the administration's offer to deploy uh, COVID-19 testing capacities to Capitol Hill, but we respectively declined the offer. Um, in a joint statement, uh, Pelosi said, quote, our country's testing capacities are continuing uh, to, uh, uh, are, uh, are continuing to scale up the nation's, uh, uh, to scale up nationwide, and Congress wants to keep directing resources to the frontline facilities where we can do the most uh, the most good the most quickly. 
what are your thoughts uh, on Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi declining uh, the offer from Trump uh, to uh, for rapid testing machines uh, over um, in what they say in their statement, uh, not wanting to uh, or wanting to redirect resources? It sounds to me like bipartisan irresponsibility. I mean, not a if you're a leader, and people in Congress are leaders in, the, in their communities or in their districts or in their state, in the case of senators, if the leaders aren't willing to lead by example, what's that tell uh, constituents? Ah, you don't worry about it. Don't get a test. If they offer you a test, don't get a test. Let them save it for someone else. So I, I just think that's, as I said, bipartisan irresponsibility. I think... If you want Congress to work, they really they need to work together. They need to be in the House together. They need to be in the Senate together, uh, at least at times. And it would make a lot of sense for them to be tested and find out their statuses. All right. Uh, well, let's um, let's move on uh, to the next story then. Uh, so, uh, former U.S. Secretary of State in 2016 nominee for president, uh, Hillary Clinton, uh, has, uh, uh, as well as, uh, former, or, or as well as current U.S. House Speaker, uh, Nancy Pelosi, have both announced that they will be endorsing Joe Biden's bid for the presidency. Um, the two of them are announcing, uh, that they will endorse Joe Biden. Um, however, when asked, about the current Tara Reid allegations, uh, when uh, Nancy Pelosi was asked, Nancy Pelosi said she was uh, satisfied with Biden's response to the allegations. Uh, what are your thoughts on Pelosi and Clinton endorsing Joe Biden? And what are your thoughts on Pelosi's response to the current Tara Reid allegations against Joe Biden? Well, I'm not surprising that the establishment is getting behind the establishment candidate, but it's not, it's, it's irresponsible. I, I go back to Biden's cognitive decline. Our most recent post on our website uh, compares Joe Biden to Thomas Eagleton, uh, back in 1972, nominee. Uh, George McGovern, Democratic Party nominee McGovern, had selected as his VP Senator Tom Eagleson, and then it came and just, you know, basically threw him under the bus and, and picked another another running mate. But, and I compare, or we should all compare, Biden to Eagleton. What, what was um, okay, what was wrong in 72 that's okay now? It's, I mean, it's not it's not the same thing. Depression is a mental illness, and cognitive decline is is uh, it is not. But it's still a, a weakening of, of cognitive uh, capabilities. So I don't think it's. I don't care who endorses Joe Biden. I just don't think it makes any sense to put somebody in charge of the nuclear arsenal who's losing his marbles. I think this is insane. I think, again, it opens the door for third-party opportunities this year, like perhaps never before in our lifetime. Uh, and it would be smart, therefore, for the Democrats to figure out a way to get Biden to step down and replace him if they really want to take advantage. 
advantage of, of, of a crippled economy and, and really go, you know, challenge Trump uh, in a more strong way. Bernie could do that too, but the Democrats aren't going to ever let that happen. As far as Pelosi, uh, I mean, the one thing she said in, in her response to that question was, well, Joe Biden is Joe Biden, which is ridiculous. I mean, it, it, whoever, Biden lies all the time, a serial liar throughout his life. And, and there's real possibility Joe Biden is Joe Biden. He's not about his, his um, you know, what happened in 1993, although he might be telling the truth, but he doesn't remember. <laughs> That's a real possibility. He doesn't remember this, but he's not saying that. He says it never happened. And he's framing the whole he said, she said around this document that he may well understand was shredded years ago. I mean, that's a possibility. That's why the campaign is framing his, his innocence around this missing document. He's saying it doesn't exist, and it may not any longer exist. So, you know, again, Pelosi, I, 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 I think the Democrats have, are suffering from Trump derangement syndrome. I mean, you have to be insane somehow to want the president of the United States to see someone suffering from cognitive decline. It, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. It's absurd. It's irresponsible. So I just don't, I, I just don't, um, I don't accept, uh, I don't accept either of these two candidates as better than the other. I think they're both absolutely horrific major party candidates. It's, I thought 2016 was offering the worst choice in my lifetime. But the, the Democrats, and, and this is largely, by the way, uh, Barack Obama, who made some phone calls after Bernie had solidly won Nevada. He was the front runner at that point, no, no doubt about it. Obama started making some phone calls. And then uh, you saw Buttigieg and, and uh, Klobuchar drop out and endorse uh, Biden just before Super Tuesday. Warren stayed in the race. Again, I think that's all part of the uh, uh, conspiracy to make sure Bernie Sanders did not get the nomination. And then, you know, everything flipped around. There was collaboration with the media. Of course, MSNBC was continued their uh, many attacks on Sanders. Some of them were totally stupid and deceitful. And, and, and all together, they, they, they managed to change the... Uh, the way people thought about who was um, electable. Because after Nevada, most people thought Bernie Sanders was electable. And then, you know, they things turned around, South Carolina went south, and and then all of a sudden Joe Biden, this man suffering from cognitive decline, is electable. I, I just find it really hard to believe. The only way Joe Biden can defeat Trump, and I've alluded to this already, is by default. Right. If, if if this virus, this pandemic gets worse, or the economy doesn't bounce back much at all, then um, or both, then uh, they'll pick Biden. The people, the independent swing voters will pick Biden, and he might win. Even then, it's gonna be a hard time because there's so little enthusiasm for his for his candidacy, and Trump still has like double the enthusiasm. So and that's another reason why people might be thinking, um, you know, I, I will vote for Joe Biden in, in November, but I think Trump's going to win. 
it might be around that, you know, I'm going to hold my nose and, 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 and just, you know, push down the vomit and vote for Biden. But, you know, there's a lot of people very enthusiastic about uh, Trump being reelected. The, the nationalists, the racists, the, uh, the uh, uh, people, the, the proverbial deplorables that couldn't, couldn't, story uh so dr anthony fauci new reports are coming out uh that dr anthony fauci was set to uh testify in front of the u.s house and the u.s senate before next week uh however according to new reports from the washington post those efforts were blocked by the white house um uh, according to reports um uh a and a statement from Tennessee Senator Lamar Alexander said, quote, Chairman Alexander looks forward uh, to hearing from Dr. Fauci and other administration officials at the Senate Health Committee's second hearing back, which will be held on Tuesday, May 12th, the statement uh, read. Uh, However, a Washington Post article is now claiming that those efforts uh, are uh, going to... uh, uh, have been blocked by the White House. Um, uh, uh, according to Evan Hollander, uh, um, or uh, according to um, uh, yeah, according to Evan Hollander, a smoke a panel spokesman, uh, he told ABC News, "quote The appropriations the appropriations committee sought Dr. Fauci as a witness at next week's Labor HHS Education." Um, subcommittee hearing uh, on COVID-19 response. Um, he went on to say, we have been informed by an, an administration official uh, at that the White House has blocked Dr. Fauci uh, from speaking. Um, uh, right now, New York Democratic Congresswoman Nita Lowy and Connecticut Democratic Congresswoman uh, Rosa DeLauro uh, are both... Uh, criticizing the decision from the White House, uh, saying that, uh, saying that uh, they both requested Fauci's testimony, and they said that the American people in Congress, quote, deserved a clear-eyed view of the path forward for responding to the COVID-19 pandemic. What are your thoughts on uh, Dr. Fauci, be- on Anthony Fauci being uh, blocked from a, or being potentially blocked from a Senate uh, hearing. It's hard to imagine the calculus 
in Trump's mind that would have him, you know, displaying such unwillingness to be transparent about what's going on. I imagine the thinking is, well, Fauci's too honest. We don't want him saying things like, well, yeah, the, the administration didn't do enough early on to, to fight this thing. So I imagine this, you know, it's, he, he's willing to pay the price for uh, opaque, uh, you know, keeping things blurry and opaque and, and not clear rather than have the truth come out, which is that um, they didn't do enough. But everyone should be protesting. I mean, this whole idea of, of blocking people from testimony, from testifying in front of Congress, um, is outrageous. I mean, it, it speaks to the norms that uh, Biden is, is sort of running on. There are certain appeal. there's appeal to certain norms, like the rule of law that Trump seems to flout. Well, again, what he may benefit from blocking Fauci from testifying, he's probably going to lose from the lack of transparency. You know, what are you hiding? Just the doubts that will arise, and, and if Democrats uh, have good enough messaging, that that will be a, a campaign ad. What, exactly this question that you laid out will be reformatted and rearranged into a Democratic Party campaign ad. What is the Trump administration hiding? Why didn't they let uh, Fauci testify before Congress? I mean, it's it's, it's hard to see uh, how this was a wise, wise decision, but, you know, it's not, uh, the, the secrecy isn't surprising, and the lack of uh, honesty and transparency is also not surprising, but it's something we all should be protesting. And I think that you'll see those protests come out in November if Democrats are smart enough to turn this uh, your question, if you will, into a, a campaign ad. And it, it, it's ripe for uh, a, an attack ad. All right. Well, let's move on to the last story. Um, so as of this point, um, many states are reopening or attempting to make some sort uh, of reopening attempt. We know that Georgia controversially reopened two weeks ago um, under restrictive guidelines. Uh, we know that this week Texas reopened under restrictive guidelines. Um, now it appears as though uh, as though there are still some states, uh, however, that will be staying closed for the foreseeable future. Uh, three Democratic governors uh, uh, have announced that they will be extending their stay-at-home guidelines. Uh, in Michigan, where the current protests have been making national headlines, Governor Gretchen Whitmer has uh, extended the deadline uh, until May 28th. Uh, right now, uh, uh, the Republican-controlled state legislature is making an attempt to try and uh, overturn this uh, in the state legislature right now. Um, uh, in Minnesota, uh, Minnesota's Governor Tim Walls uh, has confirmed that he will extend the deadline in Minnesota for another two weeks. And in Oregon, Governor Kate Brown has announced that she will be extending 
her state's guidelines uh, for another two months until July. Uh, what are your thoughts on governors, uh, Democratic governors, extending their gu- their deadlines on COVID nineteen? Well, I have a, a rational thought and a cynical thought. The rational thought is that this is, this is wise. Um, unless you can get everyone to wear masks, everyone who's out in public to wear a mask. And it can't be just any mask because if, if you're wearing a mask that you can hold a candle in front of your face and blow that candle out, it's not doing much good. It has to be a mask that blocks enough of your wind, breath, cough, sneeze to block going out through the mask. Um, so if everyone wore enough masks and, and then, of course, Wash your hands after touching anything, because any surface in public could be contaminated. And don't touch your face. And those might be sufficient guidelines, uh, in addition to keeping uh, older people, 65 or older, uh, isolated and, and quarantined and, and treated with extra special care. It might be enough. So the cynical answer is they may be doing this in order to help Exactly how to go forward, but 
obviously we know, you know what germs are. We know how they get transferred and passed around. So we just have to be careful on one hand not to reopen too soon and uh, careful not to keep things locked down for too long. It, it's, it's a tough situation. I, I'm glad I'm not a governor of any state, of any party, because it's a very tough, a very tough call. If you, you know, you don't want to uh, be responsible for people dying. And I think what we have right now is a president who's responsible for thousands and thousands of deaths. You know, he could have done much more early on, but he was ignoring warnings. And and I don't think it's just Trump. I think Cuomo is another example of a, and, and de Blasio. They were, you know, not taking this as seriously as they did once things really started getting bad. So there's plenty of blame to go around, and I just, I just think it's. I wouldn't want to be like I said. I wouldn't want to be a governor. I wouldn't want to have to make that call. But, but I think they they can go forward. You know, I'm not a, a specialist. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a specialist in pandemic diseases or anything like that. But I just think we're in a very tough situation where, on one hand, you you do want to start having some activities, economic activities and so forth. But on the other hand, you uh, you don't want to be responsible for people dying because you went too fast and, and too far. So it, it's a tough fall. All right, Victor, Tiffany, thank you again for uh, joining me. Uh, before you go, do you want to tell people where you can be found via social media? Sure, I'm uh, at Bernie or Bust on Twitter, and uh, our group, our, our page on Facebook is Revolt Against Autocracy. And, and if I could just uh, make a, uh, a point here at the end, there's a movie out, Michael Moore, executive produced, called, it's a documentary called of the people. And in it, basically, they're saying that we, we just can't keep going the way we've been going. Even the green energy isn't all that green. We have to figure out ways to, uh, if we're going to survive, if the human race is going to survive climate collapse and, and prevent climate collapse, then we're going to have to start cutting back. And in our book, Bring Your Bus, Signed the Electoral Revolt, which anyone can just search for and find online, we talk about what we call revolutionary consumption, which fits in with the whole idea of we just have to rethink the way we consume, the way we live, the way we drive, the much we drive. And there's some things we could actually benefit, learn from out of this uh, pandemic. And uh, it might be time to start learning some of those lessons and we have some ideas along the line in, the, in Chapter 11 and the conclusion of our book. So I encourage people to Pick that up and share it. Don't just let that thing sit on a bookshelf collecting dust. It's a book to be shared. It's a guide to peaceful revolution, and, and, uh, it, and it has ways to address uh, the upcoming climate catastrophe that, that we're looking at. All right. Well, thank you, Victor Tiffany, for joining me uh, again. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Bye. All right. There we go.